0: Live from ClickOrlando.com, this is News 6 at 5.30. This
1: is a News 6 Plus takeover. Here now is Matt Austin and Ginger Gadsden with Florida's Fourth Estate. Got another great edition of Florida's Fourth Estate for you today. There happens to be a large clump of uber rich people in the state of Florida. And yes, by the way. We're all going to feel a little poor today because (laughs) Florida attracts very wealthy people. There are certain tax breaks you get from being in Florida, including one in particular that's really handy. If you're uber wealthy, you can buy a super expensive, ridiculously expensive house in the state of Florida. And if you ever even go bankrupt or anything, you get to keep that house. Very nice. And because of that, we have some of the wealthiest people in the world who reside in the great state of Florida. So today, we're counting them down, the top five richest mothers out there. Glad to have you with us on Florida's Fourth Estate. I'm Matt Austin.
2: Some of them are also fathers. I'm Ginger Gadsden. (laughs) I think they're all fathers, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to clarify. I don't know what you were trying to say, Matt, but these people, they are. They are rich, They are smart. There's a reason they're successful in what they do. And, you know, and if we were uh, smarter, we probably would take a page out of their book. Duval, that's Duval. <laughs> you
1: got to go for it if you're going to do it. I
2: can't. I can't. I hear it at the games, and it's like, oh my gosh. Okay, so of course we're talking about none other than Shad Khan, who is the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. This guy is worth twelve point one billion dollars as of this recording, um, and that makes him the 146th wealthiest person in the country or in the world, I should say. He has that much money and still he's 146 on some other list. But number five on our list of Floridians, he lives in Naples and you know Forbes magazine once described him as the new face of the American dream for obvious reasons. And he knows what he is doing. Long before he wanted to own the Jacksonville Jags, he said he had a dream of owning an NFL team and he had an automotive business, a place that built bumpers for specific cars in Jacksonville and that kind of got him in the door and that's how he made a lot of his money but just investments of course as you know Matt that's a good way to do it but he was always savvy from a young age and just knew driven knew what he wanted to do and one thing I find about people who are this wealthy they know from the very beginning that you know what I might be poor now but I'm not going to be poor forever how
1: about one of the greatest hedge fund managers of a generation we're going to number four on the list here to a guy named david tepper resides in palm beach florida you're gonna notice a theme on this one he's worth about 18.5 billion 86th richest human being on earth and it turns out this guy is very good at reading a market which is the opposite of most human beings. Uh, During the 1987 stock market crash, he worked for Goldman Sachs and he made some moves with some underlying bonds when they really went down because of the crash, invested heavily in them. And some say he might have saved Goldman Sachs with that move. And he never got promoted at Goldman the way he thought he was supposed to. He was accused of being loud and profane, rubbed people the wrong way, even though he did the job really well. So he got passed over for a big job, and he said, you know what? I'm going to start my own place. So he started Appaloosa Management in December of 1992, and he used his aggressive trading practices to make crazy amounts of money. In some points in his career as a hedge fund manager, he would make a billion or $2 billion in a year. Ginger, can you imagine how much that is an hour? No, I cannot. It's not a salary because obviously it's based on how much you're making in that profession, but imagine making $2 billion in a single year based on your hedge fund. So very successful guy, maybe not considered the most likable as he was coming up in his career, but now resides in Palm Beach, Florida and uh, probably has a yacht that you can only (laughs) dream of.
2: All right, the next one on this list, I we've heard of this guy, Carl Icahn. He is worth eighteen and a half billion dollars, making him the eighty-fifth. We've we've jumped a, quite a bit on this list. Eighty-fifth wealthiest person on the planet. He lives in Indian Creek, Florida, and you know he started making his money in the nineteen eighties, and he developed a reputation as what they call a corporate. Raider. Does that sound familiar to anyone out there? Uh, and after profiting from hostile takeovers and asset strippings of trans world airlines, uh, icon is, for, he's worth so much money. And a lot of people, uh, First, were introduced to him recently because uh, during the Trump administration, he advised the president on regulatory overhaul. But he left the position amid controversy, and we're not quite sure what happened then. But once again, he's one of those guys where just invested his money wisely, is uh, Ivy League educated. And there's an HBO, I think, uh, documentary about him now. And people are saying that he's softened over the years, which tends to happen, because I think he's in his 80s right now. And when you have that much money, you can, you know, whatever, you can soften, not soften, do what you want. But when you're worth $18.5 billion, I don't think anybody's going to feel sorry or care about your feelings.
1: This guy you have to have a little uh, respect for you have to have respect for all of these guys in certain ways so this next gentleman's name is thomas Petterfee. okay if you want to know where he lives go to mar-a-largo and go three doors down he lives right there in palm beach three doors down from mar-a-largo Petterfee arrived in america with some humble beginnings in 1965 at the age of 21 he got here He says he was penniless. He was the descendant of Hungarian aristocrats who pretty much lost everything to the Soviets. Now he is a huge landowner. I'm talking 560,000 acres, primarily in this beautiful state we call Florida. So he made his money in this company called Interactive Brokers, which markets its specialized trading platform to sophisticated investors. Basically, he was one of the first people to make trading digital. So trading used to be like, oh, I hand you a piece of paper, you hand me a piece of paper. Well, this guy's pretty good with computers, so he figured out, he was kind of on the cusp, the cutting edge of trading digitally. And guess what? When you're one of the first people to say, "Hey, I can take help you buy Coca-Cola stock just through the computer." <laughs> well, each time somebody buys that Coca-Cola stock through your little computer system, you take a little bit. And that has earned him an estimated $26.8 billion. When you're a market maker, that's what they call the people who are sort of the middleman between you buying your stock and you getting your stock, you become extremely wealthy. Ever heard of a guy named Bernie Madoff? Uh, (laughs) That was his legitimate business was as a market maker. This guy stuck to that. Now he's hanging out near Mar-a-Lago and uh, he's doing pretty well in his old age with his $26 billion. That is Mr. Thomas Petterfee from very humble beginnings all the way to $26 billion.
2: So if you thought those guys made a lot of money, the number one guy on our list well, he makes more because that's why he's number one. Because <laughs> that's <laughs> how, how that works work. And that's how it works. And that's how it's done. Well, wow, we're learning so much during this for State, <laughs> Are you starting to figure out why we're not billionaires? Um, so <laughs> number one on this list is Ken Griffin. And he lives in Miami. And his net worth right now is thirty-two point six billion dollars, making him the 40th wealthiest person on the planet. Now, his claim to fame is he is the founder and chief executive officer of Citadel. It's a global alternative investment firm. Uh, And he started trading stocks in his dorm room, Matt, in 1987. He installed a satellite dish on the roof to receive real-time stock quotes. Now, that is dedication. And he said from that moment on, he was hooked and i can only imagine you you're in your harvard dorm room what is that thing up on the roof it's like i need my stocks i just imagine that old-fashioned ticker coming in and you're looking at the white paper do you know what i'm talking about yes i do <laughs> it wasn't that long ago ah, see i want to buy <laughs> a stock see yes high-waisted fast talker that's him um <laughs> it is <laughs> it is not But he's been in the game for a long, long time. And from 1987, you know, he got money from relatives. I think they said he invested money from his grandparents or grandmothers specifically and and just made it work.
1: Okay. So Ken Griffin, I was looking up where he lives. I wanted to know where our number one guy lives. He lives in Miami and he has Mm -hmm. shattered his own (laughs) record. So at one time, he paid $75 million for a house on Star Island, that is that man made island out on Biscayne Bay. Yeah. Ken Griffin broke that record. He now owns a $106.875 million estate that he paid for. And it's for that same reason that I talked about off the top. No matter whatever happens, he could go bankrupt and lose his billions. He will still have a $106 million estate that he could sell off, and he'll be just fine.
2: Uh, Be prepared for him to build an even bigger home. So... (laughs) Then all of his friends can live with him. That's not how that works.
1: Again, (laughs) that's not what they do.
2: I'm sorry. I'm talking about my own family.
1: Uh... Speaking of family, we're sitting down with Abigail Disney. Turns out she had a bone to pick with the way her family business is going. What she says her grandpa would do if he knew how Walt Disney World was being managed today. Hi there, and welcome back to Florida's Fourth Estate. We have a fascinating guest for you today. Maybe a lightning rod of controversy in this area. I don't know, but I'm very interested to talk to her, Ginger.
2: We are so excited, Matt. I honestly didn't think she would sit down and talk to us, but she is. And we're talking about Dr. Abigail Disney. Her grandfather was Roy Disney and her great- Uncle was Walt Disney. They built Disneyland and Disney World. Now she doesn't have any control over the company. We want to be clear on that, but she has benefited greatly from it. And now she has a bone to pick with the way things are being done there. So she's made a documentary about it. How many of you
0: know somebody who works at Disney who slept in their car in the last oh. couple of years? That's
1: right. And this is uh, this is something that. Either Orlando people love Disney or don't like Disney, and and she has become a pretty controversial character in this. We're glad that you could join us for this podcast, though. Abigail Disney, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: Do you currently have any financial interests in the Disney company?
0: Yeah, of course. I own many, many shares, although nobody at that company owns enough shares to to make a dent in it. Um, But uh, yeah, I I benefit by that company for sure.
2: Okay. So before we go uh, further into the conversation, we got a chance to do a screening of the the film, the documentary. For those who do not know what it is about, can you give us a synopsis? And then we're going to do a deep dive into some of the the things that you talk about.
0: Sure. Sure. I, I grew up going with my grandfather, you know, in through the cast member entrance to the park and uh I remember the people who worked there with incredible affection and uh there was a great deal of affection between my grandfather and them as well. And um I saw the relationship change over the decades with management and I saw the nature of the way workers were treated there and frankly everywhere else uh in America over the last 50 years and I wanted to make a film about why it changed so dramatically, how, and, and, uh, what we can do about it. Obviously yeah, there and-
1: are, are some big Disney fans in Orlando. Some people are basically obsessed with it. And when I've talked to some of them and asked them their impressions of you and, and your plight here, some of them seem to get a little angry from mm-hmm. that side. I, I've heard uh, yeah. some sort of demonization of you. So at this point, how do you feel about Disney? Do you, do you hate Disney? Do you, cause you've kind of become the anti Disney in some circles.
0: <laughs> you know, I would say I probably love Disney more than any other super fan could possibly love Disney. You know, it, it's in my DNA. It's, it's down to my toes and I can remember every detail and every nuance of both of those parks um, I will tell you though, that if you really, really, really love something, you have to see it truthfully and you have to speak the truth about it. And, um, it's not perfect. I, 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 wish it were. Um, but I happen to think that if you're running the happiest place on earth, but people who mm. work there can't really get food on the table, then there's a problem. And should I just let the thing that I love keep going on that way? Or should I do my best to change that?
1: I do want to say, so in recent years, Disney has made some attempts to try to better this relationship between them and their employees. They've gone up to $15 an hour. They have a, a deal where they will pay the tuition for many Disney cast members. What do you think about that? Is that enough? Is that, is that not enough for you? Are we moving in the right direction?
0: We're moving in the right direction, there's no question. But look, look, two things. Look, the, the tuition question is an interesting one because it gets thrown back at me as, um, a great way to not have to pay people more. And the fact is you, if you scrub the floors all day today, you should be paid for the work you did today. And if there's a company that wants to give you also tuition above that, that's, that's great. But basically what you're saying is eventually I'll pay you more if you take this class, but it's not about the work you did today. Right. And so that's not a way of helping people pay the bills. And, and that's what's important. I made an agreement with you to sell you basically my mm-hmm. time. And in exchange for that, you have said you're going to pay me. And in this country, we want to believe that people who work full time and follow the rules and do what they can should at least make enough to pay the rent, to get from point A to point B without a problem, and to educate their children and feed everybody.
1: And, and do you think... If your grandfather and your great uncle were alive today to see how much CEOs making $65 million a year and to see employees having to sleep in their cars and go to food pantries, what do you think their reaction would be to that?
0: You know, I think I was very close to my grandfather. He was I was 12 when he died, um, but uh, I was very close to him and I think I understand the man that he was. I cannot imagine that he would... Rest his head on the pillow at night and sleep well, knowing with $66 million in the bank or $65 million that there were people who couldn't put food on the table who worked for him full time. So, first of all, I think a CEO is like the captain of an ocean liner, right? And if the ocean liner is going along and it hits an iceberg, it's his obligation to stay there and make sure everybody gets on the lifeboats. So, you know, if, if, you're going to take six. I don't have a problem with your $65 million. I really don't bless you. You're welcome to it, but don't take it until everybody's Mm fed. I really think that like the way that we have separated in our imaginations, what happens for the CEO and what happens to the employees is a terrible, terrible, um, violation of the nature of equity we're all just people and as my grandfather used to say when he would come into the park and pick up a piece of garbage it was always the first thing he did he would say there nobody is too good to pick up a piece of garbage and i want everyone who works here to know that i believe that
2: wow that that's pretty powerful and so you're seeing this growing up but the thing that was instrumental in you creating this particular film is that you received an email from someone, right? Would had you not received that email? Would you be doing this? Is this the person you really, would you be finding a way to. Make it better for employees there, or would it be one of those lost opportunities had you not heard from this particular person who sent you an email,
0: I I think I might've missed it. I think that, that, that it was a Facebook message and, um, I, I think I might've missed this. I have been for many years thinking that that company is, it's too big, it has nothing to do with, what can I possibly do, right? And by the way, if I, if I try to do something there, I'm only just, look at me, I'm only gonna look like a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> I know that I look like a weirdo. I'm very aware that only a weirdo would do what I'm doing. Um, but if somebody comes to you as a human being and says, I work full time and I live below the poverty line and I cannot feed my four children. Are you really going to turn away from that? Are you really going to look the other way and say, well, that has nothing to do with me. You know, the quote that I use at the beginning of the film is a Gwendolyn Brooks, brilliant, brilliant poet. Her, her line is we are each other's business Mm. and we have to take out of business.'" That the the idea that none of us is each other's business. We we need to restore humanity to our business consciousness.
1: Thank you so much, Abigail Disney. We appreciate
2: you stopping by. It's been a pleasure. Good to see what you. A
0: pleasure. Thanks, guys. <laughs>
1: thank you.
2: Thank you. And thank you for watching Florida's Fourth Estate. You can download it from wherever you listen to podcasts or watch anytime on News Six Plus.